You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Well, amen and good morning. My name is Phil Nelson. I'm the lead pastor here at Elevation Community Church. And from our uh, home here on stage, right here live in Blanchester to your home, we just want to welcome you and say we are so glad you're joining uh, us in this uh this service and this experience this morning. As Brent said, uh, we're not socially distancing, we're physically distancing. And so from our hearts to you through the screen, we just want to welcome you. I do want to give a shout out. Uh, I, I found out yesterday, it came to my attention, that today has been deemed as the Vietnam Veteran Day uh, of the year. And so all of you Vietnam veterans, Uh, whether you were in service or you were deployed in the war, uh, just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, I have to give a special shout out to my daddy, my daddy who's uh, my war hero and uh, my hero in life who fought and uh, saw things that no one should uh, ever see. And so thank you, dad. And I'm, I'm just so honored and appreciative of all of you Vietnam veterans. So we are in part two of this series called Leverage. Leverage. What is leverage? It is basically using a lever to basically carry, lift, or manage a weight that is impossible for you to carry or manage in your own strength. And last week, we talked about the key to understanding leverage is found in the lever itself. And we learned yes, uh, last week that the lever is Jesus Christ. The lever is our trust in God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit that lives in everyone who proclaims Jesus as Lord. And um, the, basically the theme of last Sunday's message was this. We are going to leverage this season and all that comes our way through our trust in the Lord to do exceedingly more than all we could ever think or imagine that is absolutely impossible in our own human strength. I gave you a uh, acronym for the COVID-19 that I came up with and I put out a challenge there uh, last Sunday and so many of you responded to that challenge. So I wanna highlight just a few. We had, uh, we had over 12, uh, possibly 15 to 20 uh, entries. So thank you so much for doing that. And uh, here's a couple um, of the top picks. The first one is this, again, COVID-19. We took the acronym and uh, this one uh, that was sent in It says, call on victory in disaster. And 1 John, so the one there, uh, 5, chapter 5, verse 4. Where's 9 there? Well, you add 5 and 4 and you get 9. Very creative. Call on victory in disaster, 1 John 5, 4. I love this one as well. Checking on various individuals daily. Colossians 1, 9. That is so True, we are called as the church being the people to check in, check on people, our family members who need us and we need them. The last um, honorable mention is uh, Christ over viruses, illnesses, and disease. I love that. 
I love that. And the winner was pretty um, obvious to all of those who were judging. The winner uh, is this, and it's going to be on the screen. Look at this. Look at the time and the effort and the creativity that was put into this. So the C stands for content. Not content. Content. To be content in knowing God is in control. The O is for obey God's commandments by helping helping others through this difficult time. The V is for volunteer. Volunteer to help someone in need. Get involved. Get groceries, uh, etc. And if you see these scripture verses, they're all chapter 19. How creative, how cool is that? The I is influence others to be positive and encourage one another. And then the D is distract, distract others from fear by showing them love and prayer. And if that wasn't enough, uh, this individual added 19 ways to help and encourage people in this time of crisis. I think this is going to be something that we may even hand out to people. Um, And uh, I just absolutely love this. We will post this and the other entries on Facebook this afternoon. But I wanna just give a shout out and a congratulations to Jamie Light. Jamie, I have a gift card for you, so let's connect and uh, I'll send it in the mail or get it to you soon. So congratulations, Jamie, and thank you to all of those who participated. I think it's so important for us to seek the Lord and to seek um, encouragement during this time. I also opened my big mouth last Sunday and said that I would challenge kids and families uh, to a gift card for the most creative way of using toilet paper rolls. And we had two that came in and we could not pick a winner. There were two that tied. So let's look at the first one. The first one is the uh, Cottonelle uh, Duck Race 500. That is pretty creative, and I love that, Lily Houchins. That is amazing. The second one is the, uh, the animal toys. Uh, this family, the Merkey family, they have uh, lots of farm animals, and so the kids made farm animals for them. So you uh, two kids or families will be getting uh, a gift card. Um, in the mail this coming week. And I have to say, I was really upset because the staff never gets to win these competitions. And so the honorable mention, I thought, goes to me for working so hard to get this outfit together. Do you like it? Should I teach the rest of the sermon with this? Uh, Obviously, the people in the audience here, uh, the very few don't like that. So um, it is what it is, but I had fun and I thought it was great. So anyways, um, we're talking about silliness. We're talking about enjoying this time and making the most of our time and leveraging this season through our trust in Jesus Christ. Today, transitioning today, I want us to focus in on the most important, the most essential and the most powerful leverage we will ever need in this life and the next in eternity. And that is the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. That is the only leverage that we will have when we leave our earthly cavities and we stand in front of the judgment seat of Almighty God. That is the only leverage that we are going to have for hope in eternity is the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Now, in order, however, to be able to truly understand and appreciate the blood of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary, we need to go back to the Old Testament. We need to really understand the sacrificial system that was created and designed by God the Father for his chosen people, the Israelites. The Israelites were chosen for one purpose, to bring about incredible change and to bless every single person in the world for generations to come. That's what God's promise was. It started with the Israelites, but his promise was to be for all men, all women, all children, all families through Jesus Christ. And so everything in the Old Testament, note this, when you read the Old Testament and you don't understand it, it all points to Jesus. It all points to our hope that only comes from the blood of Jesus. And so travel back with me to the Old Testament. You can find a lot of this in Exodus. You can find this in Leviticus and Deuteronomy as well. But we're going to go back real quick to understand the leverage point that we have in Christ's blood. We need, we need to understand the importance of the Passover blood of the Lamb. The Passover blood of the Lamb. And in the days of the Israelites when they were in bondage and slavery under the Pharaoh. Do you remember that story? Maybe you don't. It's found in Exodus um, and uh, I think little bit of Genesis, but um, Moses was called out of the wilderness to bring deliverance through the power of God to the Israelites, God's chosen people. Well, God's chosen people were in slavery. Why were they in slavery? Because the fall of man and sin. Man ate the apple, which there was no sin in eating the apple. It was believing a lie that they could be like God when they were already like God. And so here they are now, the Israelites are in bondage and they're in slavery. And God wants to deliver them. He's promised to deliver them because in order to bless nations and generations to come, they needed to be delivered out of the bondage of slavery. So Moses goes to Pharaoh and basically says, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no. And so God brings these uh, various plagues uh, to um, Egypt. And it still, all those plagues still did not motivate or persuade Pharaoh to let the people go. So God, many of you know the story. So God sent an angel to pass through that land and kill every single, yes, I said kill every single firstborn male. Now, you may, you, you may say that that actually sounds harsh. How would a loving God bring such judgment and death on people that he loves? Well, let me ask you this. How harsh was it when we rejected God and we exchanged the truth of God for a lie to live for the worship and honor and glory of us? That is sin, and it falls short of the glory of God. And that sin requires the punishment of death, an eternal punishment. 
However you want to look at that, their scholars are all over the map of what eternal punishment looks like. But I tell you what, man, it deserves death, and this story really shows us that. So God sent the angel of death, or shall we say the angels, to bring death to the firstborn of every home, except the Israelites who believed in God, followed God, and obeyed God. And this is what God told them to do in preparation for this horrific, tragic event. He said, take one of your lambs. Now, the Israelites in those days, they had lambs just like people have meat in their fridge and uh, food in their freezers. Uh, They had sheep and they had goats. And the Lord says, take the lamb, take a sacrificial lamb. It should be about one to two years old and needs to have no blemishes. Means perfect. It is perfect. It's healthy. It's spotless. It's perfect. And you're to slay it. Literally slay it. Take the blood of that lamb and spread it over the doorpost of each home. And the Lord says, when the angel passes through the land, any home that is covered by the blood of that sacrificial lamb, the angel will pass over their home. Did you catch the meaning of Passover? That's where they get the name Passover. The angel of death passed over God's chosen people because they were covered by the leverage of a sacrificial lamb. That is extremely important. And so now every year after they were set free from the bondage of slavery and the Lord told them to rush out of there, that's why they have unleavened bread in the Passover meal. They didn't have time to add yeast. They had to get out of there and God delivered them made, like we said in Graves to Garden, the song that we just sang, made the seas into a highway for the children of God. And every year after that event, Jews all over the world celebrate Passover, or it's called the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and they celebrate God's deliverance of the people of God through the slavery And through the bondage, God delivered them through it into safe promises of God. So that is just, that is the Passover in a nutshell. And so I want to kind of transition to where Jesus is having communion or the Passover with the the disciples. And you know what? I'd like to just where we're at real quick. I would just like for us to pray. I know some of you may be distracted. I know for me, it's very difficult just uh, speaking and sharing into a camera. I know you're back there. You're behind there somewhere. So let's just pray together. Father, um, thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives. And I just pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would allow us to see clearly the things of your heart, the things of your word, and the things that you, Jesus, paid for us. And we pray this by the blood of the lamb, the sacrificial lamb, you, Jesus. Amen. So I want to step back just real quick before we go into 
the leverage that we need and that is available to us in Christ's blood. So every year after the event in Egypt, the Jews would celebrate, but also they would all take a pilgrimage into Jerusalem. And every single family would have either a spotless goat or a lamb with them as they journeyed into Jerusalem. Now see the symbolism as we go closer and closer to the blood of Jesus. They would go into Jerusalem, into the temple, and then they would take their lamb or their goat by the altar where the priests were serving. They would put their hands on this sheep and they would even put their weight and lean on the sheep in the sense of their weight of their sin against God was being transferred or pushed into this sacrifice. And then the priest would come over. I know this is getting detailed and gross. It's supposed to be gross. It's supposed to be disgusting. And the priest slits the throat of the animal and the blood rushes out onto the floor and to the altar of the temple. Now imagine this, tens of tens, thousands of Israelites and Jews every year are coming into Jerusalem, each family having a sheep. Do you, can you imagine the stench of 10,000 plus sheep slaughtered on the altar? Can you imagine the stench and the smell and the look? Some scholars say that there was so much blood on the day of, of, of Passover that they, they, they noted that the blood gushed from the temple down the mountainside into the brook of Kendron to where that brook flowed red for several days. That's how much blood was shed each year in celebrating the sacrificial lamb that covered the homes of the Israelites and protected them from death. Isn't that amazing? I mean, does that give you a picture of the ugliness and how it appalls the nostrils of God in our sin? And God structured and set up the system of sacrificial animals being sacrificed to him for a purpose. Not that it covers our sins. We're going to see in a minute that the blood of animals cannot cover and atone for our sins, but it does another thing. It points to the sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ, who will be coming to lay down his life for you and me. This sacrificial system was literally like a band-aid, and it, it kept people hoping and looking towards the coming of the promise of God through the Messiah, Yeshua Christ, which means Savior of the world. And so for us today, I know we can't relate necessarily with the Israelites and, and the Passover supper. Many of us don't participate in that celebration, but I want us to understand that because of sin, because of sin, we need a sacrificial lamb. 
And without an atoning sacrifice for sin that covers us before an almighty, holy, perfect God, we have absolutely no leverage. We have no leverage at all to deal with the sin that's in our life. And we are destined for eternal punishment and the wrath of God. We need to understand that, that without a leverage of a perfect sacrificial lamb, we are screwed, we are without hope, we are lost, and we are certainly headed into an eternal punishment. No one wants that. So now here's the hope of today. Enter Jesus. And I love it when he starts out his ministry and John the Baptist is baptizing people and he sees Jesus coming down the mountainside and he says, behold, the Lamb of God. That is his introduction to humanity. The first introduction was his birth, that he would be called the Prince of Peace, the Wonderful Counselor, the Everlasting Father the Son of God. And now he's being introduced as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That is our leverage for our life here, but of course our life in eternity in heaven. So I want to read you several scriptures that tell us about the blood of Jesus, about what Jesus came to do. He came to bring the kingdom of God to people. He came to die for our sins. He rose from the grave, sits on the right hand of the Father, and now his spirit lives in anyone who believes and confesses in Jesus as Lord. That is what's going on. And so I just want you to understand the incredible news of what Jesus has done for you and for me. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. It should be on your TV screen or your computer screen. Go ahead. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to that. Hebrews 4, it says this, the high priest, and I I just want to stop there. The high priest was one who mediated with blood in the most holy place that was separated by a veil, And once a year, he would go and mediate with blood for the sins of all people, the Israelites. And now Jesus is being compared and called the high priest. Why? It's because he made the ultimate sacrifice and atonement so that priests anywhere don't need to do sacrifices anymore. It's already been paid. So here it is, the high priest of ours, Jesus Christ, understands our weaknesses. Do you realize that Jesus truly understands your weaknesses, your inadequacies? He understands your emotions and your feelings, for he faced all of the same testings that we do here in in our lives, here in 2020. He knows and he can empathize because he's experienced it, yet he did not sin. And so when you read scripture, don't read it as if Jesus is something of the past and you can't relate to him. He relates to us in every way, and yet he didn't sin. 
And so when we talk about Jesus going to the cross and we talk about what his sacrifice paid, I want you to feel what you would feel if that happened to you. Start to sense the agony and the anguish and the brutality of what happened for us. For us. So Philippians chapter 2, one of my all-time favorite scriptures. Chapter 2, verse 7 through 8 says this, that though Jesus Christ was God. So let's stop there. He was fully God. He was fully God. And yet he came to be one of us and he was fully human. Fully God, yet fully human to walk the road of suffering that we would have to walk otherwise. Though he was God, he did not on this earth think equality with God was something to be grasped. What that means is he did not take an entitlement. He did not come as a king should and demand everyone's loyalty, everyone's praise, everyone's worship to be served. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. And so Philippians 2 says, though he was God, he did not count his equality with God a thing to be grasped or cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Another translation says he emptied himself. He took the humble position of a slave. Remember what the uh, the Israelites were under the bondage of the Egyptians? They were slaves because we are all slaves to sin. Jesus became a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross for you and me. So here's what is happening. Why does Jesus flip the tables here? I mean, he absolutely flips the tables of what we see the kingdom of God as. Look, look at this. He flipped the table at the Passover meal with the, the disciples here. And he said that this is my body and this is my blood. They're having the Passover meal that they do every year that represents the slavery and the bondage from the Egyptians. But he's saying, Jesus is saying, look, this is no longer just a symbolism. This is going to be my body broken for you. And he took the cup and he said, this is going to be my blood shed for you. And then he says something absolutely crazy. He says this, I will not eat of this bread and I will not drink of this drink until the sacrificial lamb, the fulfillment of God's restoration and forgiveness, God's delivery out of bondage and the slavery of sin. Jesus says, I will not eat or drink of this until it is fulfilled. Meaning, the next day, I am starting the journey into Jerusalem, the pilgrimage into Jerusalem, to the temple, then outside the city gates to die for you. Do you get it? Does it make sense to you now? Does it cause you to stop and pause? 
of what cost it paid Christ? His death, the shedding of blood for you. The next scripture is Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. This is after Jesus rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven and his spirit came and empowered everyone who proclaimed Jesus as Lord. And here's what they're saying in Acts 4, chapter 12. Let this rock your heart today. There is salvation in, would you say it with me? There is salvation in no one else. There is salvation in no one else but Jesus Christ. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There is no other way to heaven, no other name that is above all names, that by it you must be saved. This is why Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one. Say that with me. No one. Ready? No one. No one can come to the Father except through the sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ, who takes away the sins of the world. Now I want to have a real talk with many of you who look at your life, think about leaving this earth, standing in front of the judgment seat of God. Many of you are going to say, you know what, I did sin. I made bad choices. I messed up. But you know what? I did a lot of good in my life. I did a lot of good things that really make up for the bad things that I did. And you know what? I never was behind bars. I never killed anybody. I never had adultery. I never cheated on my wife. Those good things are probably going to wash out those bad things. That may be beneficial for you. And that may help you feel better about the bad things you've done. But that won't cut it with an almighty Savior, almighty Father God who cannot be in the presence of sin. Do you realize that? Look back at the Old Testament. That's why God was separated in the most holy place by a veil. He could not be in the presence of sin. If you have any sin in your life and you stand before an almighty God, you cannot be in his presence. He will say, I do not know you. Be gone from me. I don't want that to be you. But you need to understand that no good works, no good person is going to get you into heaven. No blood of a sacrificial animal is going to give you favor with an almighty God. It is only through the blood of Jesus, only through the blood of Jesus. Guess what? It's not even how much scripture you know. It's even not your perfect attendance to church. Now it's been canceled because you're not meeting in church today. So you're, you're stuck there, right? It's not about how much you give and how much you serve, and that is important, but that is not going to get you favor and forgiveness of sin. It is only by the blood of Jesus Christ offered to you in which you can be saved. There's no trickery. There's no formula necessarily, no magic saying to 
receive that salvation. It's Jesus, you died for me. I believe that you are Lord. And I ask you to cleanse me with your blood. Forgive me. Take me from being a slave to sin and make me a child of God. It's the only way you can do that. The only way you can break free from a slave of sin and become a child of God is the blood of Jesus. The last passage I want to talk about in regards to the leverage, the only leverage that we have for our souls here and in eternity is the blood of Jesus is found in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. If you're still in Hebrews 4, just flip forward a couple chapters. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 10 through 12. For God's will was for us to be made holy. Okay? We need to understand we're not holy because of sin and the fall of man. But God's design has always been for us to be holy and in his sight, in communion with Father, Daddy, God. But then it goes on to say, his will was for us to be made holy. Now by the sacrifice of the body and blood of Jesus Christ, once and for all. No more going to the temple with sacrificial lambs that their blood really doesn't cover your sin. It just points to the hope of what Jesus did on the cross. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day after day and never cease. Why? Because sin cannot be covered by ministering and offering sacrifices to God. And it says this, they offer the same sacrifices again and again and again, which can never take away sin. Phil didn't say it. The author of Hebrews said it. But our high priest, there's that title again, Jesus Christ, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Good for when you mess it up. Follower of Jesus, you're going to mess up. As long as you're in this body of flesh, you are going to sin and you're going to fall short. But his sacrifice on the cross and his blood that was shed is good enough for every single time you fall. His blood is good enough, more than enough, more than sufficient for your past, your present, and your future sins. Do you believe that? I believe that if you truly believe that, that it will change your perspective and it will change the way that you live. If you truly have that conviction. So I want to lead us in a time of application, in a time of communion. The band and the tech team here today serving you, leading you in worship, is going to participate as well. And so at this time, if one of you who's watching, maybe you're with a family, if it's just you, I want you literally to get up, and I want you to go to your kitchen, and I want you to grab, I want you to grab um, 
some sort of bread, anything that's bread. It can be a cracker. It can be um, sandwich bread. It can be dinner rolls. It can be um, any, yeah, any kind of cracker. If you don't have any of that, you may have a cookie. Go ahead and use that. Here's the thing, friends. It's not about the elements. It's about the whole truth and the point of remembering, reflecting, and declaring what Jesus has done for you and for me. And so I'm going to lead us in a time of communion together. So at this time, please go find something um, that represents bread, cracker, whatever it may be, a flour tortilla, whatever it is, go get that. And then also, for the blood, for the juice, grab any grape juice. Um, If you need um, wine, I have wine right in here. That's what I I usually do for my personal communion. And um, I have a... Um, almond cracker, gluten-free cracker here. And um, you can get uh, any kind of juice, any kind of wine. Um, If you don't have any of that, Kool-Aid, water, take some food coloring if you want it red. Again, it's all about communing with the Father of what he has done. There are some denominations who practice that the body uh, the, the bread becomes the body of Christ literally as you digest it and the blood. Uh, we don't hold that belief. If you do, um, I just really challenge you to just read the scripture and understand that Jesus paid the price for you. He's already dwelling inside of you if you believe. This is allowing us to repent and to reflect on what he did. So here's the application Uh, steps for taking communion today. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 27 through 29. Read this sometime today, and I will even post this on Facebook. This talks about the proper way of taking communion. It says, don't take communion in an unworthy manner, for many of you have been sick and even have died because of taking communion in an unworthy manner. What does that mean? Does that mean that I have sin in my life that I, I forgot and I confess, I didn't confess and I take communion and now I'm guilty? No, I don't, I don't believe that. I believe an unworthy manner, number one, is if you're taking communion and you don't really believe Jesus is Lord. If you're not following Christ and he is not living in the center of your heart, You need to do that first before you take communion. Once he's living inside of you, 1 Corinthians tells us this in chapter 11, verse 27 through 29, says to examine your heart. Examine your heart. Psalms 139, verse 23 says, search my heart, O God, and know my ways. Show me any grievous and wicked way within me. Cleanse me. Make me white as snow, as Psalms 51 says. Examine your heart. Take time to ask God to show you in what ways you're following the world and you're not following his son, Jesus. Now I have a cross here. And I just focus on the cross. And you know, something that everyone is very uh, familiar with these days. 
I like to wash my hands before communion. And I do it as a symbolism of saying, you know what, Jesus, I, I have sinned against you and I am dirty and filthy and I have the stain of sin in my life. And I'm coming clean before you, Father, right now. And I'm coming to you only because of what Jesus has done. I realize that without the sacrificial lamb, my sins would not be taken away and I'd have to pay that penalty. And so now I'm washing myself and I'm entering into your presence, Lord Jesus, remembering what you did for me to deliver me from slavery of sin. And now the second part in communion that Paul tells us to observe is to discern the body. When we take communion, we have to examine our hearts and we have to discern the body. What does that mean? It simply means this. We need to take into account of what our sin cost Jesus. We need to understand for a moment the sacrifice that was made for us. And then we participate, which we're going to do in just a second. Hopefully you've gotten your elements. If you haven't, you can pause this. You can also revisit this video. Uh, once it's not live, it's going to be uh, available on this channel for you. But I also want to give you a, another application. I'm going to read Isaiah 53 for you. And then I'd like to give you an application. This week, starting today, all the way through next Sunday, I am challenging everyone who calls ECC their home, anyone who's watching, maybe from different churches, different states, we are going to take communion in our homes every day until next Sunday or through next Sunday. I will post on Facebook just a simple guide and these points to take. I encourage you to take with your family. Parents, this is such a divine opportunity for you to teach your kids of what this is. And maybe, just maybe, they'll invite Jesus into their hearts through this week of communion. So Isaiah 53, if we could put that on the TV screens as we prepare for communion. I want to challenge you to read Isaiah 53 every day this week when you take communion and reflect on what Christ did for you. Isaiah 53, here's just a few verses. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we have seemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. There's power, wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus. And so now as we prepare our hearts and examine our hearts for communion, I want to do something. We're going to put some lyrics on the screen. It's from a song by Tommy Walker. I'm not going to read through them. I want you, wherever you are, I want you to read them aloud. Read them aloud and reflect before we take communion on what Jesus did. Let's do that first slide, please.
now we take the bread and we realize that it was his body that was to be crushed for our sin broken completely in the sight of God taking the weight of our sin the sin of the world to where the father had to turn his face upon his beloved son this bread represents the brutality and the brokenness that gives you peace that renews you and restores you so now let us take Without the shedding of blood, there will never be forgiveness of sin. And Jesus did just that. And so, friends, let's take, let's take what was taken from our Lord, His blood. And as we drink this cup, we remember the ultimate sacrifice. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our weekly podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.